0: Well, how about those Cubbies, huh? Yeah. All right. Back to back division titles. Also, we're in the playoffs. And it's just unbelievable uh, what's happened. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, in the beginning of the season, the Cubs are never going to make it. You know, they're not hungry enough. Uh, they just have lost their stuff. But what you didn't realize is they had a secret strategy. They didn't want to do the same thing as they did last year. So they said, let's start out slow. And when we hit the all-star break, we'll hit the accelerator and get at our peak just at uh, playoff time. Yeah, sports are fun. They're a gift from God to watch sports, to be involved in sports. And our God is so good. So... I've told you that every time the Cubs win some type of championship, I'll wear this. (laughs) I love for the Cubs. Well, this past week, Hugh Hefner died. Ninety-one years old. Well-known for his playboy enterprise. In fact, it's interesting. uh, He grew up in Oak Park, Illinois. And my grandmother grew up in Austin. And my grandmother knew his mother. They were good friends, Grace Hefner. And Hugh Hefner was really raised at the church that my grandfather and grandmother went to. In fact, my grandmother, Ruth Woods, was... Hugh's first grade Sunday school teacher. I don't know where it all went up the tracks, but... (laughs) Hugh Hefner uh, reflects upon his puritanical religious upbringing. Of course, he rejected it and did everything he could uh, not to live in that way. In fact, he said about the afterlife... An afterlife would be a really good deal. Yeah, I would vote in favor of that. But in the meantime, I urge one and all to live this life as if there is no reward in the afterlife and to do it in a moral way that leaves this world a little better place than you found it. Can you believe that? Be a hedonist. Do whatever you want. Satisfy your desires. But do it in a moral way so you won't disrupt this world. Oh, what a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. What an evil man. What an evil man. God talks about evil men and He's one of them. Uh, During my lifetime, I have seen a significant change in our culture. I have seen... God dying in people's minds. I've seen the sexual revolution. uh, Other types of movements that are moving away from God. And friends, when you take God out of the classroom, when you say that science is the authority, that's what we're going to believe in. We're going to worship science because That's where truth is. And when you take God out of the culture, what are you you left with? You're left with a mess. That's what you're left with. And that's what we are seeing every day. Over the last 60 years, we really have gone far, far from God. We're not as bad as Europe. Europe, of course, God is dead in their minds. And there's all kinds of Churches that sit empty. And my my concern is that we're going to go in the same direction. In the same direction. And if persecution breaks out, different things of that nature, uh, people are going to stop going to church. When persecution breaks out, you know who really is committed to Jesus
1: Christ.
0: And friends, that's what makes this series so important. Because the average person says, Yeah, I believe in God. But it's kind of like that, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Brought up in a Christian tradition, but it really means nothing to them, it doesn't impact their lives in any way. This is not important. Well, during this series, God Quest, we are preparing answers for people's questions. You have a faith. You are living in such a way that there is a God, there is an afterlife, and that you are serving Jesus Christ. Now, people are going to ask you about that. Why do you still believe in God? That's so passe and irrelevant. And this series, and of course other resources you can get your hands on, will help you to know how to answer them. As the Bible says, be prepared to give an answer with gentleness and respect. It's great to have uh, teenagers in here. Uh, this is really important for you guys because you are really going to face a godless society, and you've already been impacted. By that so it's so important that you know the answers to these questions because many Christ followers go to college and they go through a couple of liberal classes and oh God doesn't exist. <laughs> That's what they say right? In fact some go out of the way I, was, I heard about one teacher at a university and it's a math class and every day he gets up and says God is dead. What's that about? It's an agenda. So, the questions we will be talking about last week is what is truth? Is there a God that's today? Is the Bible true next week? Why do people suffer? Who is Jesus Christ? And the ultimate question. This is a church-wide teaching initiative, which means that I speak on this second sign post, Is There a God? And then if you're in a small group, you see uh, some more video of uh, different people uh, talk about apologetics. And then you discuss it. It's the best way to learn something. To hear it and then discuss it and study it and make it your own. So, if you're a part of a small group and we encourage you to... To be a part of one, because that makes all the difference, uh, how you feel about church and uh, where you receive the love of God. Uh, So join a small group, talk to Pastor Rich or Laura, in our ministry center, or go online. And also buy the book, My God Quest, or God Quest, that is. That is the book you want to have. You also want to have the small leaders guide, small group, excuse me, small group guide. Because in that, it has the discussion questions for the small groups and it also has daily devotions. What a great way to saturate your life with this truth, but having this as part of your tag time, your time alone with God. And continue to let the Lord speak to you about this. Don't miss this opportunity. Because if you just kind of slide through this and never really pick anything up or never really are convicted, uh, you're going to be in a weak spot when people ask you to defend your faith. Uh, Be here every Sunday. If you can't, listen to the podcast uh, because this is critical in order to live in this world today. Let's look at Psalm 19, 1 through 2. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. What is the psalmist saying here? You don't have to go very far to see probably the strongest argument for the existence of God. And there's a lot of arguments that we go over, but we're going to focus on the intelligent design argument. Like, how could this world just came out of nothing? And what God is saying here, if you're out in creation or you're thinking about your own body, I mean, it's just it's all amazing. It's all amazing. And the idea is that the sky proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. So this isn't a one hit thing. I mean, we have creation around us at all times, right? Yeah, and we need to listen. We need to to study and, and know things about science and creation and just fully appreciate them because they're a gift from God and there's a wonderful truth that we need to know. It tells us that God exists. And again, people in this world... Ask the question, is there a designer? There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. So all speech, the voice is heard from God. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words, the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. Like that? That just gives you an idea how almighty, all powerful God is. I'll put a little tent down here. <laughs> yeah. Romans 119, Paul writes, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Again, every person on this earth has looked at creation and wondered. Where did it all come from? Because this type of design, intelligence that went into it, doesn't come out of anything. There's something very special. Again, people, God says, will consider that at some point in their lives. Now, they can turn away from it and make up their own religion, uh, uh, do something different, say there is no God but that's the promise. Every person you talk with has seen creation. And creation continues to speak. That's a great question. I encourage you to write these things down uh, as I share them uh, so you can have them for uh, discussions in the future. But <laughs> uh, how did this all happen? <laughs> all right? How, how, how are we here uh, What's our purpose? For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So God is saying, nobody has a good excuse. Because they've seen My creation. They've seen the power that through everything they've seen, my divine nature. I mean, who could create a world like this? What I want to do is uh, just uh, have some pictures shown on the screen, and I just want you to quietly reflect on them because everything has God's signature on it. Okay, so let's just take a look at these. That's God's creation, isn't it? <laughs> no doubt, God has designed everything. In fact, my oldest son Brian and his wife Katie are camping in Rocky Mountain National Park, and unfortunately, the temperature is 20 degrees <laughs> overnight. <laughs> And it was raining all day yesterday, but there's something like a mountain. I tell you what when I look when I see a mountain up to Colorado wherever I mean that really is the most significant symbol to me of god's greatness. when you drive through southern Utah and you see all the formations that are there that that really speaks to me I mean, the best thing we can do here in the Midwest is go up in the Willis Tower, get on the sky deck, look around all four windows. Yeah, it's flat. (laughs) Yeah, there's something about mountains. And uh, they testify to God. Now, let's talk about more intelligent design arguments. Let's just take the earth. All right, the earth. What does that tell us about God's precision in designing? Well, first of all, the earth is the perfect size. You've got about 50 miles up. You have atmosphere, oxygen, nitrogen, those different types of things. It's the perfect atmosphere for life to thrive. Now, If you took the earth and moved it more toward the sun, what would happen? It'd burn. Or a little bit away from the sun, it'd freeze. But God has put it in a perfect rotation. He's given every element that you need to have life and growth. And and this is his testimony. Always kind of funny kind of funny when uh, NASA goes out looking for other life forms. That's fine. I can understand the scientific side of it. But basically their premise is, okay, you know, all this came to being through the Big Bang, whatever you want to call it. So maybe some other planet has some type of life. But you see, they probably wouldn't be so interested if they believed in God. Obviously, The earth is custom made, right? It's made for life. And there are so many things we could talk about in regards to why the earth is so special. If you look at the earth, obviously it rotates on its axis and rolls around the sun And just the 24-hour day of night and light, that is so important. If that were off to any measure, that would create a lot of problems. Now, we are so privileged here in Illinois, right? Because we experience the fall, the four seasons. Now, my brother moved out to California a long time ago. And it's always the same, 70 degrees, go to the beach. No, here in the Midwest, we appreciate each season. We hold on to these hot days. And, you know, it's just more of a rich life, don't you think? All right, whatever. <laughs> but that was all designed by God. God. The earth another thing we need to take a look at is the moon this is a moon compared to the earth their size now the moon is very important right because the moon determines the tides on earth it's in gravity full of the earth and it actually influences the water and the movements of the water if there was no earth All the oceans, lakes, creeks, would be stagnant. And they would also overflow. Waiting for California to drop, right? Well, the water would just overflow California if the moon wasn't there. I mean, come on. What about the brain? My, the brain. I mean, you're sitting there, okay, and you are looking at me. Everybody looking at me? Okay. And I'm looking at all of you. And it's amazing how much information I can take in through my eyes. And as well do many other things simultaneously. I'm listening. Uh, That's something that I can do at the same time. Uh, my mouth is a little dry. I can tell that even as I speak. I'm thinking, oh, my mouth is kind of dry. I need some water. Ah. Uh, put your hand on your chest and find your heart, your heartbeat. Isn't that amazing? It keeps pumping and pumping and pumping. 70, 80, 90 years how about your breath? You have to think about taking a breath. Okay, i got to take a breath now. And then if you don't remind yourself, you're going to die. Because you have to keep your mind on your breathing. Have you been aware of your breath? I was helping my youngest son, Tommy, uh, move in to an apartment. And he's going to start a program. Apprenticeship and uh, computer network. Uh, cables. And I tell you what, he lives on the third floor of an apartment building, no elevator. Now I tell you what, I was very much aware of the lack of oxygen. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to think our breath. Think about our breath because we couldn't live if we were always thinking about breathing, right? Just all of these things in our body we're not even aware of are going on. It's the beauty of God's design. I'd like to see a clip here of Lee Strobel. He's well-known in this area. He used to be at Willow and now he's in California. and He's written
1: The Case for Christ and The Case for Faith. A great apologist.
0: Let's hear his
1: story. I lost whatever remnants of faith I had in God. I was a freshman biology student at Prospect High School in Mount Prospect, Illinois, in the third floor classroom, sitting in the second row from the window, third seat from the back. And the reason I remember that so clearly is because I was so impressed by the science experiment that the teacher was explaining to us that day. It seems that in 1953, there had been a graduate student at the University of Chicago named Stanley Miller. He had tried to demonstrate that life could have arisen naturalistically without any need for a creator. And so to show that, he created a flask, and he filled it with what he thought was the atmosphere of the early earth. And he shot electricity through it in order to simulate lightning. And at the end of this experiment, he found a brown-reddish goo in the flask. And when he analyzed it, he realized these were amino acids. And amino acids are the building blocks of life. So I'm sitting there as a young student, and I draw the conclusion, well, wait a minute. God's out of a job. I mean, if you can show that life came about without any need for a creator, then there is no God. And that's the first day I began to call myself an atheist. And consequently, being an atheist, I had no accountability to God, and I felt like I could kind of make up my morality as I went through life. And so I lived a very immoral and drunken and narcissistic lifestyle for many years now later i discovered that that experiment was not valid that the atmosphere stanley miller had used was not the re- the right atmosphere of the early earth and that when you use the correct atmosphere you do not get the same results besides which amino acids are a far cry from life itself i mean that's like saying i have a brick therefore i can explain a skyscraper Well, after I learned that, well, wait a minute, that experiment did not disprove the existence of God, and I did other investigation, I found that, wait a minute, there is good scientific evidence that God exists. There is good evidence that Jesus is his son. Well, after I received Christ, my life began to change. And my values, my character, my morality, my attitudes, my priorities, my relationships, all of these things began to change over time for the good.
0: Mm. Yeah, be sure to go on the internet and just type Lee Strobel on YouTube and he's got so many wonderful messages. Now this is a book by Richard Dawkins who's an avowed atheist and he says that we are suffering from the God delusion. Now if one person has a delusion that there's a God, uh, we wonder about him, right? But if we all have a delusion... That there's a God and we need that God. That's okay. And that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's what they have to come up with in order to prove in their minds that God is dead. Now, if you don't believe in God, what options do you have about the beginning of creation? And this is the, the big bang, the accelerated expansion Of the universe, and I was reading an article on this, and they said the Big Bang is not necessarily the explosion, but it's what you see here in this graph in terms of how everything developed and came to be. But there still has got to be some type of Big Bang, right? And the question is what started it? They don't have an answer. Luck? Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, I can go for that. I can build my life on that. They can't answer it. Because there has to be a causal effect. And our eternal God was the one who, of course, designed the universe. I want to take you through an argument that Rabbi Zacharias uses a lot. And I'd encourage you to write this down. There's two things I want you to write down today and and pick up his skills in apologetics. Okay? So first you have the the anonymous culture. That's what the United States was for a long period of time, but no longer, where God is the one who is leading. Well, the second culture is a heteronymous culture, and that's when you have a particular group of people leading, like Marxism or Islam, and they tell you what to do. That's where you get your law from. In an autonomous culture is that everybody determines the law by themselves. Say a closer look. The anonymous culture, governed by God, subject to God's authority, everyone holds the same morals. All laws, are, all laws are self-evident and ingrained in the heart. And that's what our founders started out with—this natural understanding of who God was—and they had a culture. The heteronomous culture is the mainstream, of the mainstream of the culture is dictated by the leadership at the top. So Marxism, Islam, those type of cultures. So there's, again, a group of people that have the control. The third type of culture is an autonomous culture. This is self-law. Each person determines their own moral prerogative. And that's the direction we're going in the United States. Okay, well that's great, you know. I look at you and I say, I can't stand you. I'm going to kill you. And he says, you can't do that. Why can't I? Because I believe this. Well, I believe this. Right? <laughs> How do you get along in that type of culture? In fact, in these three cultures, Rabbi Zachariah said, now tell me this: if we are autonomous culture. And I answer your question, are you going to give me the privilege of my autonomy too? Or as soon as you disagree with my answer, you will switch to a heteronomous mode and dictate for me what I must believe as well. That is a powerful argument because it really gets people thinking, you know, where is this moral law coming from? Are we each making up the moral law? How's it impacting our country? So you can go on the web and just look for Rabbi Zacharias Three uh, Cultures, and you can find that. And I would really encourage you to memorize this because it is a great conversation starter. Because when you get to the autonomous part of it, okay, well, who makes the rules? I do. Well, I do, <laughs> the whole thing falls apart, which is happening. Right? So that's the first skill and the first uh, tool you can use. Another great tool. If there is no God, we don't have a moral law, meaning in life, and hope. If we don't have God... There's not a moral law, right? Because a moral law has to be given to someone who created people. And people say, well, I just, I just uh, go with my conscience. Well, sometimes your, <laughs> your conscience is right and sometimes it's wrong. It's a sinful conscience. And again, you're not going to have agreement. There has to be an outside source that creates and establishes the moral law. And uh, again, if a person says, well, I believe in self-law, and say, okay, well, uh, you believe this is right, and I believe this is wrong, so who's right? You have to go back to Herodotus' culture, a moral law. Another thing you can't have is meaning in life. I mean, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, why are you here? I mean, if you're just a product of the Big Bang, you're an accident. Now, that's great for self-esteem, isn't it? Oh, honey, little bear, you're just a little accident. And I hope life goes well for you. That's the only thing you can come up with. Just came out of nowhere. We lived through this life. We turned back in the dust and that's it. Oh, that's really inspiring, isn't it? Do you know the reason there are so many teenage suicides today? Because they don't have a moral law. They don't have meaning and they don't have hope. I don't blame them in a sense. Not a good thing, but our culture is saying, Go out and find your own meaning. Go out and find your own moral law. And as things we've seen over the last couple of years have just been, um, I don't know, shattering to our culture. Because the people that speak the loudest, right? Many times they get the change, they get their law which contradicts with God's law. And the most important thing is hope. Hope is what drives us from day to day. Hope is something we hold on to in the midst of an illness, in the midst of a loss, in the midst of problems. And again, most people... As they start out their lives in their 20s, they think, oh, life will hopefully be great for me. And that's where my meaning is. And they get over 40 and they realize, whoa, <laughs> this is not working. Nothing makes sense here. We need hope. There was a story about an 11-year-old boy over in another country. And his dad died when he was one year old. And then his uh, sister, it was a miscarriage, died, stillborn. And he went to the medical officials and said, I want her body. And they said, no, you can't have her body. So what he did with the help of adults is he spent a year in court trying to get the right to have her body. And he won. You know what he did? He went out to a particular location, put the body, whatever it might be wrapped in, and he buried it. And he had a a funeral service for his daughter, or his sister, that is. He had all this toy animals out there, and and then what did he say? He said, "I know now that my sister Rachel, he named her, is in heaven." He went to that degree to receive some hope. Friends, you don't realize it you can't see inside people's hearts. But there's so many hopeless people. You know, Roger Mills works in a high school as a school counselor, and you must know, see a lot of this. Like, what's going on? Why am I here? You know? We are just oh, it's just terrible how we mislead our children. It should just break our hearts. But it also should motivate us that the world needs to learn about the hope we have. You can be dying of cancer, but you still have your hope in Christ, right? They need to know the meaning of life that God has created them for a special purpose to do good things. Everybody needs a moral law. People say, I don't like the moral law, but they need it. Friends, we are ambassadors of hope. That's our job. To go out every day, talk with people, develop friendships, gospel relationship. And your desire to eventually tell them about Jesus. But it's your job. And you can't sit there and say, no, that's not my job. I don't have to get the evangelism. No. Jesus Christ said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You are a disciple, right? We're a disciple making family. And in your own way, whatever that might be, you can spread the hope of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing Nothing more beautiful than to see a transformed life. Have you ever heard of a person's life being transformed by atheism? Yeah, things are going pretty bad for me. I became an atheist and it all came together and things are good and man, I'm growing. No! No, no, no. That's why we know that Christianity is true. Because it changes lives. So many of you can get up on the stage and say, Jesus Christ changed my life. But no atheist will. They got no hope. They got no meaning. They've got no moral law. And we are a mission. We are a mission of believers. And that's our job. And my desire over the next couple of years is that we would just have such a heart for people who don't know Jesus. We have these relationships and we're speaking into people's lives, and that's what it's all about. Why else are we here? Why, why does God leave us here after we're saved? There's no reason to stay here for Pete's sake. He leaves us here to be a witness. To be a witness. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, it's just so wonderful to hear the, the truth of Your Word. Lord, I want to thank You that we have a moral law. So we know how to treat other people. So we know how to treat You. And how we can find true satisfaction in life. Lord, I want to thank You that we have meaning. We can get up every day, no matter how bad things might be. I can live for Christ today. He's my hope. Lord, that's the greatest thing that people are looking for. And we've got it. And I pray that you would shake this church. Shake this local body. And help us to get out there. To go to and reach people for Jesus Christ. I pray it wouldn't be just something, oh, yeah, well, I went through that series. No. I pray that we would put it to work, that even this this week, that we would just sit down with a friend and, you know, talk about the different cultures and kind of get their feedback. Uh, That's a great spiritual question without being too threatening. Lord, thank you for all you do in Christ's name. Amen.